Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailtalk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. I'm bringing the energy until Danielle has woken up a little more because they are a trooper. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jade Oxidrose, and I use they them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today, we are covering the third of three uh, in the David trilogy, um, book number 22, The Solution, uh, which uh, gives you an idea of the magnitude of this book. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, it is, it, it is a lot. Uh, so if you are listening to this and you have not read the book, uh, please mentally prepare yourself for the shit show that is this book. <laughs> uh, some book specific content warnings include violence against animals, gun violence, Hospital slash ICU slash grief, um, for with a child, uh, that is in the ICU. Um, it gets much worse than just mentioned in this book. Um, murder, just straight fucking up. Uh, a vehicle hitting a cycler, uh, that's, that is in reference to the ICU. Um, that is what put the child in the ICU. Uh, also, sexual harassment, stalking, and misogyny. Uh, so that's fun. Um, yeah, David shows his proto-incel vibes in this oh book. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, and um, the way they deal with David... Uh, is mm. is uh a choice a choice um i don't want to spoil it this far up but uh we'll we'll probably give up the ghost pretty soon into it uh so you can uh know what you're going into if we don't then i'll state it explicitly before we go into it so yeah uh, it, we're definitely going to be talking about it a lot when we get to it because we have thoughts yeah. and um, it's really interesting, like some of the rationales going on when we get to that point of the story, mm -hmm. like this book, general thoughts before we get mm -hmm. into the specifics mm -hmm. and then we'll remind you of the cliffhanger that we left it on because, yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting this book in, this is where I feel Fitting for a book called The Solution, we really see how adult these children are forced to become. Mm -hmm. I feel in a way that we've sort of seen before, but I suppose because they're dealing with effectively their peer, mm -hmm. and that's different to fighting a face enemy. And we, we've talked about this before as we've approached this trilogy, like how it's different and how it feels different mm -hmm. and the choices they make and the kind of strategy they have to adopt 
is I feel the most this has got some subterfuge going on in a way we haven't really seen from the kids mm-hmm. that I find really interesting to read as I am upset by the implications of what it means <laughs> for what they're going through and the sort of things they have to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it is iconic um, it, in in the same way that the whole David trilogy is one that is constantly spoken about in the Animorphs fandom, this particular book and the struggles that Rachel goes through um, are the highlight of that, really. Um, the, the previous two books are almost, uh, in more ways than just plot, are in a lot of ways just kind of setting up the mm. stage for this book. Agreed. Um, because once you get to this book, it's very much... Mm. like everything is just ratcheted up so far yeah agree and it's also like the dominoes fall like mm-hmm. like you say everything is being set up and now we just see in full technicolor stuff that was maybe only happening peripherally mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and i suppose it's interesting when we think about how um as we finish off this story uh, within the series from Rachel's perspective, especially, mm-hmm. given that Rachel is the character most defined by like action, like mm-hmm. decisive action specifically, mm-hmm. and the way she views the things that they do. It's like, yeah. yeah, Jake is the general. He has like big picture thinking. Rachel is front line. And I think you feel that yeah. in this book. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, I believe I mentioned it last book, this book is all about the conflict, external and internal, that Rachel has with her role in the group. And she is so cognizant of it. Yeah, she is extremely aware um, that she is the, the attack dog um, in... in in many ways Mm. um it and and she goes back and forth about how she feels about that because on the one hand she's horrified um and can't 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 fathom like what all has happened to make all of her friends view her that way but on the other hand she's like yes this is my role i'm i'm doing this to protect my friends uh and she she thrives in that role and she um, talks about doing so as well mhm yeah and like I think this is true, like, the David Trilogy sort of encompasses that, uh, I feel for Rachel, but with the upcoming book with Tobias, and I'm trying to remember what the book before the Hawk-Bajir Chronicles was. Oh, that was 19. Okay, so that was Cassie's big, like, we're coming to, like, appropriate given the whole series, but, like, this is really where I feel like we talked about how the kids 
we discover the ch- the kid's purpose, like their drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're having this run of books where it's the characters being aware of the people they are and whether they want to continue being that person in this war. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. ob- like eight, number 18 was the decision for Axe. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're in a vibe. Uh-huh. A sad, sad vibe. <laughs> um, but yeah, because like even with like Marco in the Discovery reckoning with the other wise ass and what it is to be that role and Jake mm-hmm. is the general, like what does it mean to have this responsibility? Mm-hmm. So it's all been dialing up to this. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mentioned it, I think, in my comments later that there are certain books in the series that uh, kind of change the course for the characters mm. uh, just fundamentally. Um, and like Marco has those almost every single book, which is why almost all of his books are fucking bangers um, because he he's constantly having to deal with the knowledge that his mom is Visser one and like mm. what he's going to do about it. Um, yeah. Or not. And also I think it. that befits as his whole character, his whole role is to see the options and mm-hmm. to figure things out. Yeah. And so the fact that all of his books tend to mark a, okay, make a decision, move this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but 15 was really, uh, uh, illustrative of that because mm. he had to confront his mom in the underwater base and he he had to make the choice of like do i let rachel kill her um or not uh and of course eventually he stops rachel and uh we're not we're left on this cliffhanger as to whether or not his mom got away um and for Tobias, uh, 23 is a big one. Um, just because of the, the, the play between his humanity and his desire to be a bird, um, comes out full force in 23. Uh, and Cassie, of course, has 19. Um, everyone cites 29 as a really important Cassie book, but at that point she has kind of become the, that role. It's not so much about that choice. Mm. Um, Jake has so many, um, six is probably pretty, because when we talk about, the books that change these characters forever. Um, which I think is how I worded it in my comment in the document. Um, like Jake's happens really early on, uh, because seeing the yerk and experiencing the yerk that was in his brother and getting those memories and stuff, I think is. I think that one for me is the one that really, uh, really hits home for him. Uh, 
31 as well, but not as much. Um, just because so much has happened by that point. Mm. Um, and when we look at Rachel, she is never the same after this book. Mm. And it is a part of that is honestly because of the ghostwriters and uh the ghostwriters kind of wrote in extremes yeah flatterization yeah uh few of them had a really good grasp on the nuances of her character um and so she she really goes very strongly into this kind of um blood knight direction um but you still get a lot of books that do kind of uh introspect into her character uh, quote unquote correctly um uh, accurately according to what we've seen so far mm. um and it is she is fundamentally traumatized by this book honestly who wouldn't be um mm -hmm. but like in a in a way that is that changes how she approaches the war i guess um and has just so many ripple effects through everything um, yeah, the, the way you talk about that, it makes me interesting, particularly interested to see how things progress going forward. Um, and also, I'm very excited to be in a position to go start reading fanfic. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, Danielle and I talked a little bit about this off mic, about uh, a particularly strong fic that's well regarded, making a different choice. And I'm mm -hmm. so excited to read that and yeah. see that interpretation. I cannot wait to let you read Daymorphing. Like, it's so good. <laughs> it, is, it is the fic that so many demon AUs look to to create the world. Like, uh, like have you read, um, he says he's an experimental theologian? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Do, that one you can read right away. That one's Night Vale. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> I oh, highly recommend man. that one. Demons in Night Vale. Yeah. Oh. It's so it's so good. It's we're getting so off topic. You'll have we're to getting like off topic. Um <laughs> but that one drew a lot of its kind of the way it views uh demons oh. from Daymorphing. Very cool. Um just because of how long Daymorphing's been going on and like mm -hmm. poetry has has honestly almost defined the genre in the way that they approach how to think about what it actually looks like to have daemons in the world. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I can't wait I can't wait to <laughs> say allow allow you to read that one. Uh, and uh <laughs> Danielle has AA3 on lockdown. 
I was like, no, back away from the animorphs category. Not for you. I've said it uh, once. I've said it a thousand times. I'm extremely I, invested I, in I, you uh, not being spoiled. It's very good. Um, I'm related. They don't listen to the show because spoilers. Um, but hey, Mac, please write more of your dumb kids, Damon AU, because yes. like the tiny snippet you've written gives me feels. Yes. Damon anyway, AU, everything. Damon AU, uh, yeah. I literally have a tag on my Tumblr, which is HDM belongs with everything. Because mm, I cannot mm. conceive of any property that isn't made interesting by looking at it through the view of what having demons is like. I uh -huh. have. Written uh -huh. some, I have RP'd. It's very good. It's very we good. should talk about David. <laughs> we should talk about David. We've we've <laughs> we've been in this introduction for a long time. <laughs> we hope we hope you found this. Uh, to be fair, a lot of it was very focused on animals. It's only the last five minutes that we've skidded <laughs> <laughs> off road, <laughs> as we are wont to do. Um, but yes, as we said, this is a Rachel book, and the last to to say where we left off on. <laughs> book i say book two book 21 but two of the trilogy mm -hmm. is uh jake um squaring off or going to square off with david mm -hmm. having found what he believes to be the body of tobias having been killed by david that yeah. david also believes yes david is crowing about that exact thing yes um and jake has sent axe to get rachel Yes. While he follows David. Yep. Uh, and we saw uh, that after Jake follows David, they get into a cat fight. Literally. Literally. Uh, tiger versus lion. Um, and the last we see is David and Jake falling through the skylight in the mall um, and David sinking his teeth into Jake's throat. I do love fucking cliffhanger in this series it was very frustrating <laughs> just like no but i mean i have the luxury of being able to like open the next pdf so i just like i'm very glad that i did not have to go through that anguish as a young person yeah like going up to the person running the scholastic book they're like why would you do this to me <laughs> yeah thankfully they were coming out on a month-to-month -month basis because of the fucking bonkers uh release schedule but like a month is a long time to to be concrete in your belief that tobias is dead yeah <laughs> that's what time is long when you're a kid yeah <laughs> oh so well, let, let's get in we cold open rachel is having an extremely weird dream I don't I love know this really. Dream. <laughs> I love it. I think I love bizarre dreams. <laughs> She's trying on dresses at the department store, but the sales ladies are only bringing her things that are extremely small. Um, and the reason why they're all ex way too small is because she's an elephant and she wears a size 312. <laughs> um, and she's just like still growing as the elephant. Um, which is reminiscent of her time with the crocodile allergy mm. that, you know, she basically destroyed half of her house by morphing into an elephant on the second floor. Um, and uh, as she's growing, she's like enfolding the people around her, including like Kenny from South Park, 
So I we do get hate the that iconic South Park reference. It, I do hate so that. bad. It, also, this is a children's book. I know people were watching South Park when they shouldn't, but also <laughs> it's bad. I feel like, oh my god, she killed Kenny. Kind of transcended whether you watch South Park or not, because like I uh, never sure, watched that was South mean. Park. Yeah, and yeah, like no, I knew right. that. <laughs> Everyone knew that. Everyone knew that. Um, but yeah, so she's screaming in the nightmare slash dream. The sales lady is suggesting she tries juniors, but not to take the elevator. Um, and then she sort of starts uh, clawing um, mm -hmm. at Rachel, like digging her nails in. And uh, Rachel shoves back and then realizes that the uh, the woman isn't a woman. She's a bird. And she wakes um, up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the first thing she thinks when she wakes up is that the bird that is trying to wake her is Tobias. Uh, so don't be sad about that. Mm hmm You know? Um, and then instantly recognizes that it's not a red-tailed hawk. Um, it is a harrier, and it is Axe. Um, and Axe tells her, you must come now. Tobias is missing, and Prince Jake is in danger. Uh, <laughs> Rachel's like, uh, what? And he says, it's David. He is a traitor. And immediately, Rachel is wide awake. Uh, we get the description here. I was fully awake, wide awake, and already mad. Uh, she stuffs some pillows under her blankets so that hopefully it looks like she's asleep if her mom comes in. Um, it is like, Three or four o'clock in the morning at this point, I believe. Yeah, so late that it's early. Yep. Um, and she begins to morph Great Horned Owl. And as she's doing that, she's asking Jake, asking Axe, what the fuck is going on? Um, Axe fills her in as she morphs. <laughs> we I do like that, that clearly, I appreciate this cutoff swear. The uh -huh. canonical confirmation that Rachel swears and is just uh -huh. censored by the books is... Yep. Mwah. Yep. Uh, and uh, Axe says, um, you know, that Jake, Tobias, and Axe were waiting and watching David outside of Cassie's barn. David left. We, f we followed him. Or Tobias followed him, and then Axe and Jake followed after that. Um, they couldn't find either. They went to David's home. Uh, David and Jake spoke, uh, and then Hork-Bajir attacked. Um, but David escaped and Prince Jake followed. He asked me to find you. He said we would need reinforcements. Um, and as they fly out into the night, she says, what about Tobias? I asked Axe. I certainly hadn't missed Axe's he hesitation when he mentioned Tobias. I don't know for certain, he said. But I fear the worst. David's morph is stronger in the air than Tobias's. And Prince Jake, he believes Tobias is dead. I felt my insides turn cold. For a few seconds that seemed to stretch into hours, I couldn't move. Couldn't think. Just sat there with my deadly talons, squeezing into the soft wood of my windowsill. Tobias? Dead? If David had hurt Tobias, I would... But what was the point in making threats? I didn't need to make threats. I knew what I would do. And so did Jake. That's why he'd sent Axe for me. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, don't think about Rachel being ready to go zero to 60 in approximately 0.2 seconds from waking up. Fun fact, hypervigilance is a common uh, symptom of uh, CPTSD mm-hmm. and PTSD for that matter. So, yep. you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, friendly reminder, it's only been a couple of days. Yeah, David went from zero to 60 pretty damn. <laughs> <laughs> Just like asshole to murder. Yep. Unrepentant it's... murder as well. There was no yeah. regret. None. When he was talking to Jake about it, it's just like, yeah, Tobias is a bird. Eh. Yeah. He's not a person. He's a bird. Like, dude. Mm. The, yeah, the, it's a, I mean, and it was seeded, like the lack of compassion towards animals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's still, like, at this point, you feel like, hey, he's got, okay, we can drop any pretense of making this kid redeemable. Or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, empathizable. I don't think that's a word. Relatable. There we go. That's an actual word. Um, because, yeah, here it is. Cards on the table. He's a murderer. Mm-hmm. And the 13 year old, you know. You know. No big deal. I, I know there are instances of that happening in the real world, but, ugh. yeah. Still. Yeah. Uh, and we, as we move into the second chapter, we immediately, we, we get a little bit of the um, recap in case this is your first Xanamorphs book. Let me be clear. I had read this book. <laughs> this is one of the Xanamorphs that I read as a kid. <laughs> so I, I imagine young Jade would have been very grateful. Go, wow, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and we see... The effect of Tobias's death on Rachel. Yeah, she's in shock. 100%. Yep. And, and she's trying to reconcile, like, how David could do this. Mm. Um, like putting together the pieces of like, okay, so David, David smirking, pouting, easily offended David. David, who half the time seemed to be as reckless as well, me, but other times had been cowardly and quickly panicked. Uh, I love that there's the phrase here, David, the new animal, the one we ourselves had created. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like, oof, mm-hmm. oof. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, uh, yep. Uh, Jake, not Jake, God, I keep saying that. Axe and Rachel uh, see a cop car heading towards the mall. Um, and uh, I love that Rachel knows, just like, yep, that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Axe is like, do you see something? No, it's a guess, but that police car's heading there. This is not a bad neighborhood. A speeding police car could mean we found Jake and David. Yeah. Um. And they soar over the roof of the mall. They see the broken skylight. And as they look down into the mall, they see um, just that only a couple lights are on. They can't really tell um, what is waiting for them below. Um, Rachel suspects a trap. Rightly so. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Uh, 
<laughs> they dive in um and circle around um and notice that there is a giant pool of blood with a tiger lying in it um Rachel immediately try begins to go down towards Jake um Axe points out like he's just lying in the middle of the floor this could definitely be the bait in a trap um and Rachel listens to Axe um and they still hear Jake breathing. So they're like, all right, well, at least for now, he's still alive. Um, but he's unconscious because otherwise he would demorph. Uh, uh, and the, co the cops start coming into the mall. Yep. Um, well, they're out at the main walkway ready to come in. Mm -hmm. um, and although that would give uh, them enough time to get out, and Rachel's just like, that wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted was David. Yep. And that awareness that he is probably still somewhere in the mall. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, we have ahead. this mom moment. Uh, Rachel tells Axe to demorph. And I like this sort of clear nod that Rachel is like Jake's lieutenant, like mm -hmm. second in command. And that Axe recognizes it as such mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Which is one call to a really interesting contrast to how we see David react to Rachel later, mm -hmm. like that perception of her. Um, but Axe does his ass, starts demorphing, um, and gives him a position to go to, so he'll be able to see Jake and keep cover on Rachel. Mm -hmm. And uh, she waits for him to demorph, and then she demorphs, just like. My girl is smart. Mm -hmm. um, but she's goes to human uh, in her, and she just realizes the fucking ridiculousness of being stood in the mall, like herself, one of her self-proclaimed favorite places in just her leotard, because mm -hmm. she knows exactly where she is, because she knows this mall. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like that weird liminal mode of being there at night, where it's mm -hmm. all dim lights and deep shadows, mm -hmm. um, and an alarm starts going off um the ringing sound of um one of the store alarms and uh, rachel can just make out there's broken glass uh, and rachel figures that david is stealing diamonds when she clocks that it's a jewelry store mm -hmm. um but it's not a uh, bad assumption <laughs> not a bad assumption given what we had uh david say in the last book but um so she sends Axe in that direction and starts um, um, going to morph. And she catch, and this is like, again, that hyper awareness, hyper vigilance. She mm -hmm. sees a glimpse of town reflected in the glass mm -hmm. of a Foot Locker store, just like moving at speed towards her. Um, and literally, this girl flips herself over the railing mm -hmm. uh, and it hurts like she's just hanging there uh, there's a drop below mm -hmm. her hanging into nothing but uh, she's there she avoided uh, David's sneak attack mm -hmm. uh, who goes skidding past because you know 
lino floors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rachel's aware, like, if she pulls herself up, she'll be helpless. If she drops, she's probably going to break an ankle or a leg. And does some, she does some cool dash gymnastics shit. Yes. Um, she talks about like how she's neglected practice, and then this is like higher stakes than anything she's done before. Yeah. Um, but she still manages to do this, and it's a uh, it's dope as hell. Or she mm-hmm. she's about to do that. David, meanwhile, is like circling around, like bragging about how smart he is, how he set an alarm clock for Axe to chase, um, and is is mocking Rachel because like all I need to do is bite your fingers. Aren't you going to beg for my mercy? He said no, of course you're brave. Um, and as he goes to like uh, bite at her hands, she swings away. Um, doesn't fully make the landing, um, but is able to do so. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a there's a moment, <laughs> um, but but manages to do so. And um, David reaches for her, but can't. Is just out of reach, mm-hmm. and he's pissed. Yeah, and but he's just like, no, this is fine. I'm not a murderer. I wouldn't kill a human. Now a bird, a tiger, sure. And Rachel's just staring back at him and says, find a place to hide because I'll make you a promise. I will kill you, David. And he turns around laughing as he retreats and Rachel screams after him, "Uh, I'll kill you. Like three times. Mm -hmm. Just like definitively, that's what she's going to do. But uh, Axe comes back. Um, once Rachel's down, down, he gets back as she sort of like makes it down to the ground, explains what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like, okay, so we have to hold the police off. Um, and Axe is just like, Jake's unconscious. We can't move him. He's too big. The police will call for medical help. And Rachel says out that they're going to call Cassie's mom because obviously she's the closest exotic animal veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but there could be controllers around the cops. They need to stay with him. And X is just like agrees. Got hope he wakes up in the next hour and a half. Um, but yeah, Jake is still unconscious, still bleeding. Um, the two of them decide what morph they should use so they can stay with Jake and opt to go for fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and all while this is going on. All Rachel's thinking about is Tobias is dead, Jake might die, and that she's going to have to go after David. Mm -hmm. And I love how we have this distinction here. We have, I was going to hunt him down and destroy him. No, not destroy. That was a weasel word. It was vague, meaningless. I was going to kill him. We also have her saying, like, I felt sick inside. It might have been the morphing that was annihilating my internal organs and replacing them with the primitive organs of a housefly. Or it might have been the feeling that comes from rage and hate. And we have this brief interaction between Axe and Rachel. And she asks him, Axe, tell me something. When Jake sent you to get help, why did you come for me and not Marco or Cassie? Prince Jake was specific. Get Rachel. Did he say why? Axe hesitated a moment. Then he said, Jake told me Tobias was probably dead. I said this was a terrible thing. 
And Prince Jake said, yes, if David's killed Tobias, we may have to do a terrible thing too. Get Rachel. I don't know how that made me feel. I'm not a person who obsesses over her feelings. You know what I mean? Some people can't stop looking inward constantly, and that's not me. But it definitely made me feel strange. Jake had called for me specifically because he wanted someone who would do precisely what I was planning to do. Like I say, I'm not big on feelings, but something about that felt wrong. And yet, as I completed the flight to Morph, I knew Jake had picked the right person. See, I cared for Tobias. I don't think I even knew how much I cared till right then. But if David had killed him, I would have revenge. I would make Tobias's murderer pay. I suppose it's one thing to feel capable of something in yourself and another thing for somebody else to think you capable of it. Yes. Yeah. It's it's something that I'll feel in the opposite direction. Like, uh, there have been times where I'm like, yes, I am ride or die for this friend. And then the friend is like, ah, nah, you're not, you're not the ride or die type. And I'm like, Bitch, what? Rude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so, like, I felt it in the opposite way. And in those cases, it is disconcerting because you're like, oh, I guess I haven't I haven't shown that to them like I thought I did. It's also like an unsettling version of your friends having more faith in you than you have in yourself. Mm-hmm. But to do a bad thing, mm-hmm. or to do a dark thing, yeah. Uh, and as as it says about the kind of people you are and the age you are, I remember once a conversation with friends, as you do as a young person, talking about like zombie apocalypses. You know, mm-hmm. they were all the rage while back. And I don't have a lot of useful skills. I will hope, like, I work a desk job. I'm not, like, <laughs> well-versed on anything in particular outside of stuff that's probably not that helpful in a survival situation. And everyone's like, no, Jade, we want you on our team. And I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. Why? Because <laughs> you'll make choices nobody else will want to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so like, yeah, you're pragmatic. If other people were causing a shit, you'd go around there in the middle of the night and take care of the problem. And I'm like... I don't quite know how to feel about this, but I think it's a compliment. I think it is. Uh-huh. But like, I think it's like they make a point of like how I'm pragmatic and how I can put aside things and then deal with the emotional crushingness of it afterwards. Uh-huh. But again, it's that one thing of knowing something in yourself versus other knowing other people see you the same way, especially yeah. if it's an aspect of yourself you're conflicted about. Mm-hmm. it's like it's the modifying ordeal of being known mm-hmm. but like the worst up or like the most upsetting flavor of it just like going there going i think i could kill a guy just like oh yeah no you could totally kill a guy she's like it's different when you say it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so but it's like it's so interesting that back and forth she's having with herself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also really like Axe's Ax's honesty mm-hmm. with her. 
here because also Rachel and Axe like don't have a aren't tight. They aren't like friends, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that's like she struggles the most, probably mm-hmm. along with Cassie. Um, but also like she's trusting him in this moment to to give it to her straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they understand each other as warriors. Yes, that, that's something we've discussed before, and I like seeing it again here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of loiter around as flies um, as the police see that it's a tiger and call uh, Cassie's mom, exactly like Rachel anticipated. I do appreciate the cops like, there's a fucking tiger in the mall. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> it's just like, that sure is a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just like, it, it just, it amuses me to nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just the reaction of these beat cops just like, there's a fucking bleeding tiger in the middle of the mall. <laughs> like, what do you even do with that? <laughs> um, but uh, Rachel has Axe keeping an eye on the time. And uh, he can only approximate. Um, it's just like about 32 minutes. <laughs> Rachel just like, that's your idea of approximate. And he's like, I'm assuming... Uh, it may be as much as 35 and i'm just like i love axe <laughs> um but they're waiting on cassie's mantra but paramedics get there first and shout out to the paramedics yeah who are like stabilizing a tiger like mm-hmm. i'm fairly certain they don't cover that in emt training <laughs> <laughs> yeah but also like gaping neck wound you put pressure on it Regardless yeah, I mean, of whatever species. Like it also is. like mammalian anatomy, you can at least go, Oh yeah, blood pouring out of that part of the body is a bad idea. Let's let's stop that <laughs> happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they're able to like at least stem the bleeding a little. Uh mm-hmm. but then Cassie's mom and dad and Cassie show up. Uh Rachel was like, maybe she'd guessed that the news of a wounded tiger in the mall meant Jake. Mm-hmm. Um Rachel announces to Cassie. Uh, that they're there, uh, who can't answer, but at least she can hear them. And uh, she's even to give like Cassie the information, just like he's been in more. It's Jake. He's been in more for a little over an hour. Uh, he needs where to go. Need to get him conscious. Uh, that it was David that attacked him, and she isn't able to get out that Tobias is dead. Um, she can't say it. And she just like just get Jake conscious. Axe is with her, and that they need to look off. They look need to look for David because he may go after Marco next. Meanwhile, Cassie's like, I know this tiger. <laughs> this is one of the ones from the gardens, and I do appreciate some in-universe continuity because obviously mm-hmm. that's where Jake got his tiger morph. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Cassie's mom being a good vet too, who could look at a tiger at night and just be like, I know those stripes. uh cassie confirms uh surreptitiously that she has heard rachel and understands um and uh rachel and axe fly away um they are they overhear a couple of paramedics talk about well we figure he fell through the skylight um and Cassie's mom being like, man, I swear, if I didn't know any better, that wound was made by another big cat. And Cassie asking, will he, the tiger, live? Um, but we don't hear the, ra- the answer from Rachel's point of view. Um, we do hear 
uh, two police officers uh, talking on the other side of an AC unit. Uh, like, th- this is an Adelaide bandit, right? Right. Uh, <coughs> what, what, what are we going to do about it? There's not really anything we can do about it. None of the other cops here are our people. Uh, and the first cop's like, Visser 3 won't take that attitude. He'll think we should have found a way to kill it. Then maybe Visser 3 doesn't need to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> I love, it's terrible. I, don't, I love minion moments like this. Uh-huh. Everyone's just like, I don't need the Visser 3 drama. Can we just not? Yeah, let's agree to just not. <laughs> yep. Yep. We don't need to bother him with every minor thing that goes on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We'll keep our mouth shut. <laughs> and we're just like, yay, good. Relief there. Um, yep. But also, it's just hilarious to me. Like, mm-hmm. I've always liked, like, elaboration on hench people and mm-hmm. minions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So Yeah. Uh, and we get this interesting introspection from Rachel fly- as they fly. Uh, they demorph and morph into bird again. Um, axe to Harrier and she to the Great Horned Owl. And they fly straight for Marker's house. And she reflects, uh, Marco would be asleep, unsuspecting. He's safe behind locked doors and strong walls. Only walls and doors meant very little to an anamorph. I began to realize just how hard this was going to be. Visser 3 had been trying to wipe us out for a long time. He had thousands of human controllers, taxons, Orc-Bajir, spacecraft, and all of his own bizarre, deadly morphs. We had just the six of us. Only, it was just five now, and maybe four. Just us against a person who could become any animal he could touch. A person who could be any living, breathing thing. A flea in your hair, a cat in a tree, a bat in the night, and, when you were unprepared, when you were vulnerable, a lion or tiger or bear. I was starting to realize why Visser 3 hated us so much. It's good shit. It's a real good shit. Yep. Ugh. So, oh. mm-hmm. we we uh, move on. Uh, as they're flying towards Marco's house, uh, she is still, uh, she she's just bouncing back and forth between grief and rage and uh, just terror at what Jake's orders meant to get Rachel. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that how dangerous David is and that there's still this mission that they have to do. Mm-hmm. And and she has to like tell herself one thing at a time, priorities. Right now, David is the number one priority. Everything else was number two because David has to be stopped before he can stop them. Mm-hmm. But it's still bothering her that Jake could send H axe to get her. Yep. Me specifically, once he knew that extreme measures might be taken, he said, get Rachel. And what did this, that mean? Yeah. Was that how Jake thought of me? As some crazed, violent nut who would do anything? No, of course not. He just knew I was good in a fight. That's all. It didn't mean anything. Besides, wasn't it true? Another part of my mind argued. Wasn't it true? Wasn't I just the person to call if you needed to kill an animorph? <laughs> and then they get to Marco's house and his window and see that it's open. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, okay, does he normally leave his window open? Yes, if he'd already flown out of it, maybe that was it. But maybe he wasn't home. Maybe he's left already. Maybe he sensed we needed him. 
Um, and as they circle the house, she sees that he's inside and in bed. And Rachel's like, this smells bad. And she's just like, you must have a strong sense of smell on that morph. Because, <laughs> you know, moments of levity. Uh, but Rachel's like, now this is, uh, this feels like a trap. Um, and they don't want uh, to walk into another one. Mm-hmm. So uh, she calls out to Marco in thought speak. Um, and he wakes up, looks around. Um, she asks if he's alone and he nods. And they take the opportunity to fly inside. Uh, well, Axe goes in first. Um, mm-hmm. And as Axe swoops inside, Marco pulls a baseball bat out from behind his back and uh, cracks Axe uh, in the face with it. Yep. But I saw a piece of shattered beak go flying, twirling away like shrapnel from an explosion, just to give an idea of how hard mm-hmm. he hit. Because when I, I mean, I assume beaks are like keratin, like they're yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to take a decent amount of force to break one. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and it's like Axe gets to the window and well you know it's not Marco now but still uh, doesn't get inside like so Mm -hmm. uh, so Axe is now like on the ground and this horrifying moment of David has acquired Marco Mm -hmm. as a morph yeah and in the standing at the window David as Marco just holds up one finger then two then three. He was counting how many of us he'd killed. One, two, three. Tobias, Jake, Axe. But it should have been four. What about Marco? Of course, Marco was still alive because Marco had been human. David had said it himself. He would never take a human life. Mm. Um, but uh, David shifts back to himself. Um, and Rachel's trying to figure out what to do, thinking out what David's next move is, what her next move should be. Um, mm-hmm. should, she, should she go to Axe? No, that's what David wants. She has to go to Marco, who's probably unconscious inside the house. No, that's not right either. Um, and then the golden eagle comes flapping out the window. Yep. And uh, clearly squaring up for a fight. And Rachel's aware, like, the golden eagle morph is faster, stronger, but it's still dark with none of the warm lifts in the air either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rachel's aware of the advantages she has at this moment. Uh, and she turns and flies off, uh, knowing that Axe is still breathing um, and has started morphing back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just egging David on to follow her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll see who wins this aerial dogfight. And David's just like, brave words, but you're mine, just like that bird boy of yours was mine. And that's when the pressure inside me evaporated. I was cold again, cold as a frozen lake. I knew what to do, and I wanted to do it. I shouldn't resent Jake for thinking of me, I realized. It's what made him a good leader. He knew us all. He knew me. For you, Tobias, I whispered. And I led David toward his doom. Yeah. 
Let me tell you, when I read this as a child, I did. There was so much I missed on my first read through of this book. Mm hmm. Uh, like, I was fully convinced he had full on killed Axe in this scene. Uh huh. <laughs> and then later, when, like, Axe shows back up, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, and, like, I don't think I even, like, flipped back because it's, it's like one sentence, two sentences. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, I guess, I guess he must have morphed. He was still alive enough to morph back. But it was, it was a very chilling, like the next chapter or two were extremely mm -hmm. chilling because it was very much like David has killed three of the Animorphs in as many hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah. And like, it's um, easier to see how David believing full heartedly that he's killed three out of five. Yeah. Animorphs. Yeah. Uh, sorry, three out of six. Though, I oh know, three out of five. I'm math bad. I'm math bad. Uh, but like, and his confidence and like, he's believing in himself more and more as he does this. Mm -hmm. There's something interesting to me about um, him make, giving a reason for the other kids to be in morph so he can kill them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, fight me like this, then I can kill you. Yeah. yeah. Because you're not a person. And yeah. that realization that Rachel has, that Marco's probably just tied up somewhere in the house. Mm -hmm. Because for all that it's, you know, probably bullshit, at least in David's mind, he's too good to kill a person. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. But as soon as somebody stops being a person, well, they're free game. Mm -hmm. Which just shows you how, like, David knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he recognizes that this is a completely arbitrary line. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe, maybe he actually believed that with Tobias. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he actually believes that with Axe, who was never a human to begin with. But, like, with Jake... Mm -hmm. No. Bro, you know you're just giving yourself an excuse. Uh, and not to mention, like, he was ready to, like, bite Rachel's fingers mm -hmm. previously. Like, he was full-on ready to make her fall from the second story. Now, granted, mm -hmm. maybe he thought, ah, she'll maybe break a leg or something. It's fine. I'll just be able to terrorize her as a lion. Like, what? What did you think you were doing there, bro? Like, yeah, it's it's also just like this isn't just like murderous rage on David's mm -hmm. part, which maybe you could understand mm -hmm. if not condone. Like, he feels so betrayed by these people, and he's hurting that you could maybe go, "Oh, well, bad David," but mm -hmm. yeah, you could at least get. He is willfully, and he is toying with them yeah he's setting it's, traps and toying with them he's being cruel mm -hmm. and relishing in the cruelty yeah the fact that he keeps bringing up tobias and stuff mm -hmm. like this is what we've talked about it in one of the other he is sadistic he's mm -hmm. enjoying seeing people suffer yeah like and then, i'm sure there's some good psychology out there about like 
how he feels powerless in his life. And so having power over people feels good to him. Yeah. And so he relishes in it. Yeah. Like, he could have just flown away. Yeah. Like, Jake and Axe would never have had any idea of where he had gone. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tobias couldn't keep up with him forever. Yeah. I mean, maybe he could have. He's a better flyer. But, like, we... we, we Wingspan and all that yeah. jazz and, and larger bird. Exactly. And, like, it it would not take much to lose the Animorphs off your trail. Like, Yeah, we've seen how good he is at it. Yeah. Like, he has grasped the, like, utility of morphing mm-hmm. so fast. Mm-hmm. And he's like, using it to do this. Yeah. Or like this in the mall. This is his choice. Yeah. Mm. After uh, killing, quote unquote, killing Jake, like... He could have got left. He could have just fucking left. Peace out. He, he wanted the opportunity to try hurt the others. Yes. <clears throat> Which, like, it's... Like, you can maybe make the argument that like oh he thinks that they're just going to come after him which is true but also like dude yeah if you fly to a different city how are they gonna find how are they gonna find you 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 already told jake like you can be someone else for two hours at a time like there's there's no way they're gonna be able to find you like no it's like this is, it's willful on his part mm-hmm. and that's what makes him so irredeemable yes is yeah. time and time and time again we're seeing him choose to be the aggressor to be cruel to twist the knife mhm those are not the actions of somebody running scared mhm like cruelty doesn't happen by accident so, yeah. and we see the specific kind of cruelty that he treats Rachel with mm. that is different from how he treated Jake. Because, like, with Jake, it's very much like me man, you man, fight. Yeah, exactly. Brr. Yeah. But, like, we see here, like, you're mine just like that bird boy of yours is mine. And we see, like, his particular like frenzy to not only get Rachel but also to like hurt her hurt her demean her like put her in her place yeah is um mm. i i don't make this comparison lightly danielle we may want to put a timestamp here if people want to avoid mm. the comment this is the kind of behavior you see in sexual predators. Yeah. It's not about sex. It's about power. Yeah. It's about possessing something you feel entitled to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I appreciate that I said it flippantly at the top about David being a proto-incel, mm-hmm. but the way he talks to Rachel in this book yes. mm-hmm. is so evocative of the sort of stuff we've seen spring up in the recent years on like Reddit boards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The fact that she 
is better than him and isn't afraid to like mock him and call Mm -hmm. him out. And he Mm -hmm. feels so slighted by that. Yeah. And we have this line as they're flying in this moment. And he's just like, you're very good, Rachel. You know, I wish I didn't have to do this. And Rachel's hearing none of it. Just like, yeah, but you just can't help yourself. And that's him trying to, and then he gets his excuses. Oh, you left me no choice. You forced me. What was I supposed to do? Um, And it's just like, and she's just like, what do you want, pity? And he's going on a bridge that I lost my family, everything, thanks to all of you, which not true, but you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and Rachel's just like, we are not your problem, or at least we weren't until you turned against us. Yep. Um, and she's still leading him on, like mm-hmm. in where they she wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting dangerous um, yep. because now they're moving into open space. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, she can see what she's aiming for, which is power lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't know if David can see them or not, but he manages to uh, land an attack on her. Five feet from the wires. Yep. Gets her talent, his talons into her back. Um, and is full on just, he's going to kill her. Like the, he, he is not, he's honestly not even drawing it really, drawing it out that much. Like he's, he's just going for it now that he's reached her. Like toying is over. And this is like Um, he's ripping into her back with his talons and using his beak on the back of her head. mm -hmm. And she realizes she's losing. And it's just like, it's not, she's not terrified because she's going to die, but because it means David's going to win. Mm -hmm. And as her mind starts shutting down under like the stress and the trauma, and she's telling herself to demorph. Uh, David is actually lifting her up further. So if she does manage to demorph, she'll fall to her death. Mm -hmm. And David comes out with, sorry, Rachel, but after all, birds start all the time, don't they? And then it happens. I saw it drop out from nowhere, drop from out of nowhere, out of the sky, out of the clouds it dropped, wings back, talons raked forward, It hit David in the back of his head. Eagle feathers flew. David screamed in pain. And Tobias, yes, Tobias, said in private thought speak, Rachel, David is really getting to be a pain in the butt. (laughs) 